The Cynthia Joyner Real Estate Group is an award-winning team with hundreds of successful transactions under their belt. Through their national network, the Cynthia Joyner Real Estate Group works hard to help families realize the dream of home ownership. As a community advocate, Cynthia Joyner is proud to be the presenting sponsor of Jazz in the Park Huntsville. You can find the Cynthia Joyner Real Estate Group on the web at CynthiaJoyner.com. Welcome to Jazz with Kenny Anderson. I'm David Person, producer of the podcast. And as you know, we begin every episode with our artist, our guest artist, answering the question, what is jazz? This episode's guest, Steve Cole, gave an answer that was so detailed, so rich, so reflective, that we decided to air the entire answer. And that means we're opening the show with a much longer answer than we normally would. But I think you'll find that it's worth it. And so, let's go to Steve Cole answering the question, what is jazz? And then after that, we'll get to Kenny's conversation with Steve, which is also very good. And by the way, thanks for listening to Jazz with Kenny Anderson. Here's Steve Cole. Oh my God, what is jazz? Jazz, jazz, first of all, I, I consider jazz as a gift. Hmm. Uh, jazz, jazz is music that, that, that was uh, generously gifted to America. Um, that uh, is, is, is the culmination of a fascinating musical tradition that if if I was if I was to say uh, so so this is a complicated question because you can't you can't talk about jazz without talking about uh, black music in America and if you start talking about black music in America you can't not talk about slavery you you can't talk about all of that so when i say gift i i feel the, the thing i feel about this music is that it notwithstanding it is it, it is it is the basis it, it is one of the manifestations of the basis for all american music all of it um we won't have we don't have pop music without the, without black music, we don't we don't have we don't have any music, any American music. So I think about it as a, it is first a gift. Second of all, uh, and I, you know I didn't I didn't mean to go there, right? I you know, but but kind of how do you not? So I I think about the fact that um, I feel as though there's there's an incredible. And, and these are the these are the dichotomies that that I, I experience. And I'm just I'm just you know kind of talking out loud here, thinking out loud here. But as as a as a as a as a white man in jazz, I have never ever felt like I didn't belong. I was never made to feel like I didn't belong, which is another very interesting thing about jazz as this gift that we were given. Uh, Notwithstanding the, the 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 way that those who gifted it to us were 
were brought here. Uh, but yet it is it is incredibly inclusive. It it it, it it's welcoming. It's uh, any musician that I've ever performed with or had been taught by or mentored by has always made me feel, you know, respect and reverence, but also welcome. And, 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 uh, uh, and comfortable, you know, uh, in it. Um, I also think jazz is one of the most profound ways that we can express ourselves because what it, requires of us is that we um on one hand understand that there is structure jazz is, is not chaos jazz uh you know is is a high art form and that it has structure but it has structure that invites us to uh take advantage of a bandwidth that that gives us unlimited self-expression but here he, here's 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 another kind of juxtaposition it gives us unlimited self-expression but it also requires of us uh un, unlimited collaboration so you get to express yourself but you also have to remember that your role in jazz is fluid you're you're not always the soloist you're not always the speaker you're also the supporter and the listener right so generous listening is something that comes out of jazz where we learn that even if we're expressing ourselves that we have an obligation to listen generously to those around us so when inevitably we cycle into a supportive role we don't just support but we we support generously we try to bring out the best in the person who then has the the center of the stage the the person who's trying to express so man that's a that's a gigantic question that contemplates everything um and i and i've been ineloquent in even starting to get close to what that answer is you you'd have to be a social scientist you'd have to be a musicologist you have to be a practitioner you have to be uh, a citizen of the universe you have to be unafraid uh and uh and and very very much wiser than i am to to get into all the things that you need to get into to describe what jazz is dr cole was like classes in session yeah, yeah. yeah. I was, and, I'm know, sitting here ready to take notes. I <laughs> get, get ready for the test. Well, yes. it, 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 it's jazz. 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 Jazz with Kenny Anderson. Saxophonist Steve Cole is one of the most celebrated players in contemporary jazz. The Chicago native exploded onto the scene in 1998 with the album Stay A While that was produced by fellow Chicagoan Brian Culbertson. The disc scored multiple number one hits and earned Cole the Oasis Smooth Jazz Award for Best New Artist shortly before his sophomore set 
Between Us was released in 2000. With over a couple of decades of outstanding music, great live performances, and so much more, I welcome to the Jazz with Kenny Anderson platform, none other than saxophonist Steve Cole. What's up, Steve? Hey, how are you? Good to see you. It's good to see you. I'm doing great, and I'm so honored to have this conversation with you. I'm going to get right down to the meat and potatoes of this conversation, because okay. in many ways, nothing else matters after what I say right now. <laughs> you may not know this, but on August the 20, August the 30th of 2015, you literally changed my life. I did. Yeah, that's right. This way you ask, how did I do that? I, I, th th my next question, how... how <laughs> How did I do that? <laughs> I was the multicultural affairs officer for the city of Huntsville with the inaugural Jazz in the Park Huntsville performance under the guidance of Bernard Lockhart, who got with your manager and arranged that uh, beautiful experience. And so you were the inaugural headliner at Jazz in the Park, which this year celebrated its fifth year. So you were the first person who headlined that stage, who headlined that festival that has really grown and become an amazing experience since that time. So thank you for being oh, a part man. of the history of Jazz in the Park Huntsville. Ah, it's an honor, man. I remember that vividly. That was a great, great night. Really, really fun show. Yeah, It was, and I'm gonna tell you a quick backstory. So that was our very first event. We spent about three months planning it because it was sort of a whim. Bernard was doing the concerts in Birmingham and he said, is there a park downtown Huntsville? And I said, yeah, sure. It's right outside my window because I work downtown. And we decided to do this event. And over a short period of time, we were able to generate a lot of interest. That morning, it rained a little bit. We didn't know what the outcome would be. And over 800 people ended up coming out that evening. Beautiful, uh, beautiful August evening, pre-September. And it inspired us to expand the concert series to a every Sunday night concert in September series, which it is now. So you can definitely look forward to a return engagement sometime in the near future once we get back to the normalcy of yeah, jazz yeah, in the yeah. park, Huntsville. Yeah. Got to have you back. Definitely. I'd love to come back. And that was, man, it's so funny you bring that up because there's, you know, after so many gigs, sometimes it's hard to remember e individual ones after so many years. But I remember that one vividly. I remember the band was kicking super hard. I remember the people were just totally into it, and I was having a blast. It was one of those. It was one of those nights where it's just like I can't believe I'm getting paid to do this. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of getting paid to do this, let's take it all the way back. <laughs> let's, okay. take, let's take. Let's take it. Which you, of course, are well deserving. But let's take it all the way back to the beginning. How did you get involved in music? I got involved in music because my dad was a musician, and I thought he was the coolest person in, on the planet. Um, the, the, the thing that's funny is, is that my mom also a musician, but not a professional musician. Um, but as it turns out, I learned later in life that my, my mom was like a way better musician than my dad. <laughs> she was just kind of in the background, kind of, you know, pushing things around where they needed to be. Right. But. Uh, so yeah, it was it was definitely you know influenced by my parents. My mom was a singer, and my and my dad played saxophone and clarinet and flute. You know, kind of the uh, the typical doubles. And um, yeah, man, he would he would he would you know put on his tuxedo on Friday night and go down to the club and 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 play with his band and 
And I just thought, man, that, that guy's the coolest guy in the world. I want to be, I want to be like him someday. So, uh, and, and, you know, the, the, the thing is, is he, he, he did encourage me. Um, but he, he was very reticent to teach me at, at first because he knew that it's really hard to teach your own kid anything, you know? Uh, so he, he, he really wanted me to study with other people before, you know, he, he would, and he, you know, he give me pointers here and there, but he's like, I'm not going to be your full-time teacher. You're not going to do anything for me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was definitely the family business for a while. Yeah. So when did you know this was going to be a profession for you? Man, you know, that's really a, 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 an interesting question because I, my own insecurity prevented me from thinking that for a very long time. Uh, and, and also, you know, you, I was inspired by my dad, but, you know, sometimes going through the, 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 the process of learning your instrument and, and some of the hierarchy of like band and school and things like that, I lost a little bit of my mojo because like I wanted to play the melody all the time and they're just like, no, you can't play the melody all the time. There's called a, it's called a part, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm playing the melody. So I got kicked out of band a lot. Uh, but you know, I found a teacher uh, in high school named Wayne Richards who uh, really inspired me, and it was it was classical music. I was I was you know playing uh, a different style of saxophone than than I play now, and uh, and he was just marvelous and an excellent teacher, and he he started to to really inspire me and 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 also encourage me and and you know made me feel like yeah this. This could be a thing. I, I could do this, you know. Um, so yeah, that's that's where I started, kind of feeling like, yeah, I want to I want to chase after this for real. Yeah, that had to be pretty interesting too. And of course, you grew up in Chicago, a city that is heavily music, different genres, lots of activity in the music scene. Uh, was it your father that kind of directed you in the jazz scene, or did you somehow discover that along the way? No, that was my dad's doing. He had a, he had an, uh, an immense record collection, um, you know, and and, and it was uh, mostly jazz and uh, you know a lot of lot of uh, you know kind of you know just just that genre, kind of all spectrums of jazz, right? Um, and we also spent a lot of time in the car together. Um, my dad had a couple of different jobs and. The way I was able to spend a lot of time with him is I would kind of commute with him <laughs> to his to his night job, you know, uh, during the week. And uh, he was he was kind of a motivational speaker, so he would you know run around to all these different you know places and speak. And sometimes it was like an hour in the car, you know. And so that's that's where we did most of our a lot of our bonding, you know, because he was like, well, you know, rather than leave leave my kids at home, let's just all go. Y'all hang out. I'll do my thing, and then we'll drive back. So in the car, it was always NPR listening to jazz, and and he would be like, "All right, who's the trumpet player? Who's the tenor player? Who's the alto player? You know, who do you think's playing drums? You know." And it got to that, and that's where I started to realize that, like, you know, different players have their, you know, it's like you play drums different if you know you're a different human, right? You play saxophone different, you know, and. Uh, it started getting me really thinking about, wow, you, you can have a voice on an instrument. They don't all just sound the same, <laughs> no matter who's playing them, you know? So that was really kind of kind of cool. He, he kind of got me into that in a very, it was almost like a game we would play. It was fun. 
And you also have a formal background in music education. It's something that you, as I mentioned, you having a career in music, as it relates to your educational background, you also have some uh, specific training and skills in that area too. Tell me about that aspect of your journey. Well, you know, here's the thing, going back to, you know, uh, this this lack of confidence right so i i i was really really uh, gung-ho up until you know i go went, went to college and I, I went specifically uh to northwestern university so i could study with frederick hemke who uh was one of the you know foremost teachers of i'm still in the classical world right classical saxophone and uh after a couple of years of studying with him you know i had that conversation with my dad who being a musician was very kind of conscious of, of making sure that he's preparing me for, you know, I don't know, food and shelter. So a <laughs> <laughs> couple of <little> items <laughs> of interest. So, yeah. He asked me, he's like, so what do you, you know, he's like, well, what, are, what, are, what's the goal here? Like, what are you, what are you striving for? I said, well, I want to be, I want to, I want to play the saxophone with orchestras. He's like, well, you realize that there's not a whole lot of music written for saxophone and orchestra, right? Like, you know, you'd have to be the soloist, you know, not, there's not not a whole lot of saxophone in, you know, Wagner or Bach or Mozart. Actually, there's none. So, uh, and I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. He's like, well, I mean, do you want to teach? It's like a university gig, you know, and, and it's funny, right? Here, here I am, a, a professor at a university. But I'm like, hell no. <laughs> Teaching? Are you crazy? You know? So he's like, what, so what are you going to do? And I'm like, and that was like the weird, you know, existential crisis that, you know, like every, every 19 year old has at some point. And they're like, what am I going to do? And like all these questions, I don't know. And so I, I like, I snapped and I bailed. I was just like, I'm going to get an economics degree. I'm going to put on a yellow tie and a blue suit. And I'm going to go work for one of these big companies and make some money, you know? And, and that's what I did. I did that. And, and and I quickly realized that I, I did not like it. Uh, you know, not that there's anything wrong with it. It's just like, you know, when you know you're doing the wrong thing, you know you're doing the wrong thing. Uh, and just because you can do it doesn't mean you should do it. <laughs> so so I had an epiphany. I was just like, I got I to gotta stop doing this. I got to do something different. So what did I do? I went to grad school and got an MBA. What? Right, I'm still, I'm still like, nah, man, I can't, I can't go back to music. That's that's for other kinds of people. That's not for me. That's not, you know, I'm not gonna. So I get this, I get an MBA. I went to the University of Chicago, you know, my hometown, and uh, and then I thought, hey, I'm gonna get this gig that's gonna connect music and business. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be the the head of finance for a music school, right? Well, that didn't really do the job because, you know, I wasn't doing any music. I was just, I was just counting the money, which is not a bad thing that this place was doing all right. Uh, but it was at that point where I'm just like, all right, you know what? I've tried it all. I've, 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 tried, I've tried to be an adult, and it's not working. <laughs> so so I, I, I just kind of was like, I got to get back into it. And, you know... I'd been dabbling it, I'd been keeping it up, but I, I, you know, it was only for my own kind of, you know, soul. Um, but I, 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 you know, had conversations with 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 my wife, and just and like, yeah, let's, I'm going to do this because, you know, this is this is where I got to go. And you know, once I committed to it, once I believed in myself, uh, things started falling into place.
in a, in a, in a much um, more positive way than they were when I was, you know, pursuing something that I know that my soul wasn't in. Um, and yeah, so that's that's kind of you know I started you know playing better gigs, meeting people who could you know hook me up with better situations, and uh, you know that's that's kind of how it it started seriously getting into the career focused mode yeah and the rest is history of course and you've played with um, quite a few people uh, in the industry uh, you're currently one of the founding members of the sax pack which is uh, made up of uh, Kim Waters and Jeff Kashua I've had a chance to see you guys perform on stage at uh, an amphitheater in Georgia of course you didn't know I was in the audience at the time but I was there and uh, wow. there's a lot of the great people on the stage that day. Brian Simpson, a good friend of mine, and more oh, were performing sure. that day. So it's just awesome, awesome yeah. uh, work that you do. What's it, like, what's it like playing with those guys? It's inspiring. You know, uh, we're, we're all students all the time. You know, that's the thing I love about music. We're all students all the time. And, you know, we don't, as, as saxophonists in, in this particular genre, we're, you know, we're, we're artists, soloists, right? We don't often get a chance to, you know, play with other saxophonists like you know you would you would uh, on a regular basis if you were in a jazz ensemble or you know something like that. So, it was such a great opportunity to to, to not only you know create um, music with other saxophonists but also to to listen uh, in performance to to other saxophonists and and learn and be inspired by them. So it's really it's it's always just been a joy for me. On a number of levels, you know, creative, uh, creatively, and and also, you know, academically, it's just marvelous to just sit back and be like, "Wow, that's you know, I would have never thought of that," <laughs> you know, in in a good way. <laughs> yeah, well, look, there's a Hall of Fame roster of people you've also performed with, people like Freddie Cole, Jeff Lauber, uh, um, Jeff uh, Larry Carlton. Uh, but I got to ask you about one of my favorite performers of all time, and that's Boss Gags, who you've had a chance <laughs> to perform with. Tell me about working with Boss. You know, it was uh, I, I got the gig because uh, of a relationship I've had for many, many years with a, a gentleman named Richard Patterson, who's a, one of the you know f- most phenomenal bassists on the planet. He uh, he played with Miles Davis, um, and then after that, David Sanborn and. Roberta Flack, and you know the list goes on and on, and 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 he 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 was uh, a Boz's music director, and uh, he asked me to you know join the join the tour. Uh, I think this was about two thousand, I think, and it was interesting because you know I I I thought I was being hired to play the saxophone, which you know I it's kind of my thing. It's what I do. Um, we start rehearsals and. This was more of a stripped-down band. It wasn't like horn section and like a couple of keyboard players. It was, it was Boz playing guitar, Richard playing bass, Sonny Emery was playing drums, uh, Darren Johnson was playing keyboards, uh, Marina Bambino was playing uh, uh, a percussion, and Ada Dyer was a background vocalist. So it was a relatively small band without a lot of backup, and. Boss started hearing some things that he felt were missing. So, you know, very quickly, in, re- in rehearsals, right, I, I, I started to transition from just being the saxophone player in the band to, hey, man, can you play a little bit of this on the keyboard? Can you play this little line? Can you play that? Can you play this? Well, long story short, it turned out I'm playing keyboards on, like, every single song. You know, and I'm, and I'm trying to, you know, it's not my primary instrument, right? 
and I'm trying to like stay out of the way of one of the finest keyboard players on the planet, Darren Johnson. And so it was not, it was one of the most incredible and important musical experiences of my life. Mm. But I was so uh, focused on not screwing up epic songs <laughs> and not and not you know uh you know being being on the other side of the wrath of some of the finest musicians on the planet that i just remember being just afraid all day long every day <laughs> for like you know a few months <laughs> And then, and then there was a couple of times where I just played saxophone on a couple of songs. I'm like, oh, wow, that's what it feels like. <laughs> so I wouldn't have traded it for anything. And I learned so much. I mean, you, you, you work with someone like Boz Skaggs, who is that just amazing and otherworldly as a musician, as a songwriter, as a performer. And then the band he put together, <laughs> you can't help but leave that situation elevated just fundamentally right but you know it it was it was terrifying <laughs> and memorable i'm sure and memorable you know and it wouldn't have traded for the world but yeah fear pretty much mostly yeah well this episode of jazz with kenny anderson has been special Steve Cole really kicked it off well with his really thoughtful answer to the question, what is jazz? And then he and Kenny have been having a great conversation. In fact, it's so good that we're going to stop it right here and we're going to pick it up with a part two next episode. So if you really liked this episode, then you'll want to tune in for the next episode of Jazz with Kenny Anderson. Jazz with Kenny Anderson is a partnership with Jazz in the Park Huntsville and is produced by David Person for David Person Media, LLC. The theme music was written and produced by Kelvin Wooten. Damian Malone provides podcast platform management. We hope you'll join us for the next episode of Jazz with Kenny Anderson. The Cynthia Joyner Real Estate Group is an award-winning team with hundreds of successful transactions under their belt. Through their national network, the Cynthia Joyner Real Estate Group works hard to help families realize the dream of home ownership. As a community advocate, Cynthia Joyner is proud to be the presenting sponsor of Jazz in the Park Huntsville. You can find the Cynthia Joyner Real Estate Group on the web at CynthiaJoyner.com.